Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, we thank you this morning. I thank you because I'm anointed to teach your word and your people are anointed to receive. I thank you that our faith is built up and wisdom is given unto us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. So we're looking at how to truly have a great year, part two. I want us to go through those scriptures again. Let me have those scriptures again that we started with. I want us to go through those scriptures. We're looking at how to have a great year, part two. How to truly have a great year. Part 2. Let me have um, our scriptures again. It takes wisdom to build a house and understanding to set it on a firm foundation. It takes knowledge to furnish its rooms with fine furnitures and beautiful draperies. Next verse. Verse 5. Do you have verse 5? Okay. Let's go to Luke chapter 14. Let's go, go with me to Luke chapter 14. We talked about wisdom, wise planning. We talked about common sense. And we talked about facts. Now, I want to speak a bit about facts before we go on. I want to speak about facts before we go on. Sometimes people do not want to look at the facts of their life because they don't want to own up to responsibility. For instance, I'll ask you a simple question. How much money did you make this year? Can you tell me in clear figures how much you made? And someone will say, well, I don't know. What that means is that you were not diligent enough. That's the truth. You were not diligent enough. Faith is not against facts. Faith changes facts. How much money did you give this year? Someone said, no, I just gave. No, it means you're not diligent enough. You should know how much you're giving to truly know if you are a giver. So you need to be acquainted with the facts of your life. You need to take an honest assessment of your life. Don't just assume that God is not good. Don't just assume that. Some of you had a lot of money go through your life this year, but you just mismanaged it. You had opportunities. So you should not run away from facts. You should take an honest assessment of yourself. That's what the prodigal son did. He says, I'm eating this food. The servants in my father's house don't eat this kind of food. I'm going to return. So you must take an honest assessment of yourself. Let's go to Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. I'm going to pick up something from there. Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. For which of you intends to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. Is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure out the cost so you know if you can complete it? That's what the message translation says. 
God is not against planning. You have to plan with God. God is not against planning. In Proverbs chapter 16 verse 3, it says, Commit your ways unto the Lord. Let's read that. Use the New King James Version so we stay on the same page in what I'm teaching. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 16. And I want to show you something here. It's very important that we understand that God is not against planning. God is a God of order. And you have to bring order into your life going into the year that you're going into. You cannot live disorderly and expect increase. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and then we can just talk. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 1. Let's read verse 1 first. Proverbs 16 verse 1. Let's get to the New King James Version. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 1. The preparations of the heart belong to a man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The preparation of the heart. Everyone say preparation. I can hear you. Let's say it one more time. Say preparation. So you have to understand that you, the preparation belongs to you. And the answer comes from the Lord. So there's a God part and there's the man part. Let's go to verse 3 of Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works to the Lord. So you should have something you're committing to the Lord. God is not against planning. Faith is not against planning. And I, 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 I say this, it takes a lot of time to plan. It takes a lot of mental energy to plan. That's why a lot of people would not plan. It takes sitting down. I read a couple of scriptures again. In Second Kings chapter 3 and verse 17, we find a funny, a funny story there, but very interesting about how God intervenes in the affairs of men. Second Kings 3 and verse 7. Second Kings chapter 3 and verse 7. 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 7. Let's do verse uh, 17 quickly. 2 Kings 3, 17. For thus says the Lord. Uh, no. Verse 16. Go up to verse 16. And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. That means dig ditches around this valley. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. He says, hey, you're expecting water? Dig dishes. Tell your neighbor, if you're expecting water, then dig dishes. Or say, well, say if you're expecting water, then dig dishes. You have to prepare. And so I say, oh God, I want water. God says, I'm waiting for your ditch. I'm waiting for that structure that the water is going to fill in. And many people don't want this. That's why life is the way it is most times. It's not that God is not good. He will not put new wine in an old wine skin. If you want a better year, you have to make adjustments to year. You see, it's easy for me to come here and say, in, in, in the next year you're going into, you, doors are going to be open unto you. Favor is going to come. It's easy for me to say that. It wouldn't take me as much diligence as it's taking me to do this. But you know what? You've been hearing those things in the past 10 years. Is there a place for prophetic words? Absolutely. 
But the prophetic words will need a structure to function. Prophetic words will need a structure to function. What prophetic words does for you is that it adds grace to what you're already doing. That's why you might even see an unbeliever who is not going to church, but he has a well-structured, orderly life, making progress. It just just makes progress, because that's the order of life. What God does for you is that he gives you grace, and that's the difference. I mean, some of you have so much grace on your life, but you're so disorderly, grace is not working. Mark chapter 6 and verse 39. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's get there. Mark 6, 39. Then he commanded them. Okay, this was when he was about to multiply five loaves and two, two fishes and all that. Verse 38. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Verse 39. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. Hey, God wants to perform a miracle. The first thing he does is say, sit down. And he didn't just say, sit down. He says, sit down in groups. Why? Why didn't he just say, I'm God? Because miracles will not happen without order. This is Jesus. He's going to multiply loaves. Why didn't he just say, don't worry. I'm going to multiply the loaves. Anywhere you are, loaf will get to you. You know, one of the signs of an underdeveloped or developing country is disorder. You know, there are people who, if they come to church, they can't even tell them where to sit. It's here I want to stay. It's just like, it's, it's something that has flowed from the society. And imagine if everybody sat where they wanted to sit and somebody said today it feels late that the angel of the Lord woke him up that he's here, he would sit down. That that's what the Spirit of God told him. Why do you think pastors, God put pastors in church? It's order. How many of you have traveled out of the country if you have not traveled at least in films you have traveled with your mind when you watch films and you see how Things are done orderly. Nothing miraculous happens in a disorderly life. God will never pour rain where there are no ditches. You need to bring order into your life. You need to bring order. You need to know exactly what you're going to do next month. 10 o'clock tomorrow, you need to be sure what you're going to be doing. You need to stop this attitude of just waking up and entering the day unprepared. Getting up and entering the year unprepared. Getting up and entering destiny unprepared. It will take months for you to get the plan together. Order. Once there is order, there is calmness, there is peace. You see, the challenge is we don't like order in this part of the world. So for instance, if you call me and I say, oh, I'm not, I'm not available now. I'll see you at maybe 10 o'clock. Say, ah, the man is proud. Man is proud. How can the man of God say he's not available? Even God, we can call him anytime. And he answers, am I God? 
No, we we don't want that. Do you know people get offended if you tell them I can't come on this? You they invite you for something, they say, Oh, I won't be able to make it. They get offended. Or you call someone, can I see you by nine? So I will not be available. Ah, what and they are paying him. You know, we don't want order, so we use our disorderliness to make people of order feel guilty for living an orderly life. If you are emotional, you will never be orderly. No is a good word. Learn to use it. If you are disorderly, you will want to put that disorder in other people's life. You will ask someone for money and say, oh, I plan the money for this month. Maybe uh, let's look at next month. You are angry. Because your emergency, your lack of planning cannot become an emergency. Because you didn't plan well for your life, it cannot suddenly become an emergency in my own life. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you still here? I didn't hear you. Okay, so you have to have an orderly response. <laughs> the response has to be orderly. So you, you need to say yes, sir, very well. So you can't choose when to say yes. I'm just teasing. Let's go back to Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. Let's deal with that. Luke 14, 28. Bring order into your life. Bring order into your finances. I remember when we first got married, that was one of the things we worked, worked on. When we got married and my wife needed to go to the market, I said, hey, I need to see a list. It wasn't a sign of that I was stingy. I just needed to be sure what we were buying. You can't just say, I want to go to the market, then go. If you just want to go, then go. You have to show me, I have to say it. Just brings order. It also controls you because then you go to the market and at the beginning of the market you see leaves. You just decided, ah, it's been long, we ate this leaf. And you use all the money to buy leaves. And you come back home and say the money is not enough. How many of you have gone to the market like that? Many. You don't need to raise your hand. I know many of you have gone back full and returned empty. Because <laughs> everything catches your fancy. You went to the market to buy food. You returned with skirts and shoes. I said, don't worry. I think there was one old soup. We were warm. If you knew there was old soup, you shouldn't have gone to the market at all. You were just disorganized. You must learn to control what tells you to buy. 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 That, suppress it. It will lead you astray. You are always... You know, there's this thing speaking to you. To buy. Always buy. Always buy. Uh, uh, someone called me up and blessed the blessed person with some amount of money and said, Pastor, what do I do? I said, let the money cool down first. Don't be thinking of what to do first. Just keep living at least for the next one month. And Because before you realize in two weeks that money is gone. Some of you, they pay your salary. You are at the bank with the phone waiting for the alert. Immediately hits. You say, everything. Just give me everything. No plan. Then it's on the way you are calculating. I'll go to Finima. I'll go to Boni. I'll go. And you go back home empty-handed. You are working and it's as if you're not working. You are, you are employed. You are living worse than people who are unemployed. Because you're disorderly. You know, you can en- 
enjoy your disorderliness for a long time. After a while, it will catch up with you. You know when it will catch up with you? When everyone who puts order in their life are in their place of rest, you'll still be struggling. You have to be, dis- you have to be orderly so you can remove disorder from your life. Let's go back to Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. We want us to stop there. Number one, intention. I want to build a tower. You must have an intention going into the year. Put up my words for me. The first word there is intention. Intention. We can call it a goal. We can call it a vision. What's your intention for next year? This word is powerful. Intention. What do you intend to achieve? Who do you intend to become? When we wanted to build this building, alright, I had to speak to the team leader of our building team. We had to see the pictures. How many of you saw this picture of this building in the other church? What was that? Intention. Everything in life is built twice. First in your mind and secondly physically. You can't enter into the year and say what will be will be. The only thing that will be is failure. What's your intention? Don't just say next year I will hammer. That's the intention. So the first thing is the man says... I'm going to build a tower. Not a bungalow, not a one room. I am going to build a tower. That's the intention. Before God created man, what did God say? Let us make man in our image. God had to have that in his heart. Let me explain this to you. You don't go and say God should bless you next year. It's a faithless prayer. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us clearly that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are already blessed for next year. Is that okay? What you need to do now is bring order into your life. I was talking to one of my friends. He's trying to put up something in his church in Ghana. And uh, he said something. He now said, if God wills. I said, God wills. Start planning. You know, we can hide under that if God wills. You know, if God wills. If God wills. God will is willing. Continue. I had a meeting and I invited a couple of people. And he said, I will not be able to come, but I'll be there in spirit. I said, Don't come. Go, go. Wherever you're going to go, let your spirit go with you. We didn't buy chairs for spirits to sit in. If you're not showing up, you're not showing up. Don't be with me in spirit. You just go with your spirit wherever you are. I'm not called to pastor spirits. Sometimes we hide under these religious words and live a very disorderly life. Oh, I have no power of my own. As I go into next year, you are my power. Says the preparation is in your hands. You can do something about next year. You are God's heir. You're a royal priesthood. You're a king on the earth. He called you gods to whom the word came to. Praise the name of the Lord. So what's the first word? Let's say it one more time. I'd like you to put these words in front if you're right if you're writing overriding vision. The vision that overrides everything else. It can be to get an education. It can be to get a job. It can be to learn a skill. 
You must get into the year with an intention. Let me let me explain. Let me give you my, my personal uh, life example. When I reviewed my year, I discovered that I wasn't managing my finances the way I should manage them. So I knew that I needed to manage finances better. So I, I started. I actually started planning for the new year around October ending. So I realized this in November. So the month of December, I decided that I was going to read more about finances. So in the last three weeks, I read six books on all areas of finances. I even had to start with the basics, The Richest Man in Babylon, A to Z of Personal Finance. I just had picked all these books. And then I saw uh, someone I follow on Facebook running an investment course. It's 20,000, three days on WhatsApp. I paid for that course. What am I doing? I'm readjusting my mind so I can be better next year. It's not enough to identify your area of weakness. You have to do something about it. For instance, you are in five, you don't manage your time properly, you need to get a, a, a diary. You can't just say, this is my area of weakness. God will help me. He has helped you in Christ. You help yourself. You discover you don't know how to relate to people. Go buy books on how to relate to people. And so I had to take that step. And I said, okay, next year, my overriding goal will be to manage my finances properly. So you need to find out things you are not doing this year very well and have a goal to adjust them. Some of you don't need to set new goals. You need to go back to the old ones you have not achieved and do what? Rework on them. Praise God. Number two, sit down. Sit down. This is what people don't like. They like to hustle. You know when we say, oh, we, we, we're closing church down for two weeks. People spend time with their family. I, I remember <laughs> the last time we closed church and someone went to, to, to another church and he came back and said, ah, I didn't even know why I went to that church. All the things they were teaching. I said, who sent you? You just like the activity. Nobody has a great life without sitting down. To plan, not to complain. You sit down. You bring out papers. You write. You put the figures. How much am I earning? How much is my salary? How much is my house rent? How much is my children's school fees? Praise God. I said, Praise God. One of the things I did, um, Two weeks ago, I calculated my children's school fees for the whole term, from January all the time. My, my son attends Gideon School. That's what I'm saying. I said, let me have all the costs for the whole year, 2018. So I know how much it would take me for carries to go through school for 2018. So I have that sum down. I went to Zara's home. I checked out how much she would require for the... So I know how... So if you ask me, for instance, now, Pastor, I want to help you with your child's coffee. How much will it cost? I know. For the whole year, you have to be diligent. So I know how much the school fees is going to cost. I know at what time they're going to pay the school fees. So I know at which time I'm going to get myself ready to pay the school fees. Don't say, I know God will provide. He will, but do you have the ditches ready? When you even say God will provide, do you know how much you need to live in a month? Have you calculated it? Praise God. 
I said, praise God. You know, I can be very funny. I mean, I'm not that guy. I can be very funny. You know, one day I, I calculated how much we spend on bread for six months. So I jokingly told my wife that if we had the bakery, it would have been cheaper for us. Do you understand that? But I'm, I'm that detailed. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you another funny part. There was a time, every time I drive, I'll just buy Suya. Every time I drive, I'll just buy Suya. Every time I drive, I'll just... So I calculated how much I spent on Suya on three months. It was so much. So I said, no, no, no. For the next three months, there's no Suya again, so we can balance the budget. And that's where that desire just left. You know, some desires leave you when you plan. So I realized, I'll tell you this now, I realized that it is because I was always carrying money in the car. You know, anytime I carry a wallet, I just pass. When I see the smoke going up, it's like the smoke is saying, man of God, come. Man of God, come and receive your sacrifice. So what, you know what I did? I decided I will no longer drive with my wallet. Do you understand that? It's not deliverance. Ah, there's this girl. There's this girl. No, 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 no. Sit down. You can plan your way out. As is this my friend? Every time, every no, no, sit down. You can plan your way out. There's something Gabriel used to say about his father that is very, very funny, but it's very life changing. He says his father doesn't drink, and he said it's not because he doesn't want to drink. The man said, Drink is expensive. If I drink, I'll not be able to train you people. Do you understand? Just have a compelling reason to say I'm not going to do this. And then someone say, I'm struggling with drinking. I cannot stop. No, you have not yet found a reason to stop. I'll tell you something. The way God has created you, what you don't want to do, you will not do it. You just find a way to do it. Ah, I'm flesh. I'm already flesh. You are just giving yourself a reason to misbehave. So you sit down. So you have to sit down with next year. Sit down with January. Sit down with February. Sit down with March. Sit down with April. All the prayers you ever need to succeed have been prayed over you. Sit down with your family. Sit down with your wife. How much do we need to go to the market? How can we sit down with it? Even if you have excess money, sit down. You can have a little bit more. You see, in our nation, as great as it is, you know that we can pass 2017 budget in, in, in August 2018. You, you, you understand? That's just how we live. <laughs> our own is that we have done the thing. See, it's not budget, it's budget. We have passed it. But in, in, in developed countries, it is with the budget they work. So it must be passed at a certain time. You cannot be planning with money in someone else's pocket. How much do you have? What can you do with what you have? Someone earning lower than you actually have a more better life than you are. You think your money is not enough. But someone who is earning lower than you actually have a better life. I say this. I say this all the time. My grandfather told me. He says it, it doesn't take money to build a house. It takes a will or a desire to build a house. So I, I was like, what do you mean? He said, even when mud was free and water was free and bamboo was free in the village, some people still did not have houses. You didn't need money. All you needed was intention to go to the riverside, pack your mud, cut your bamboo, build a mud house. And some people still were living in other people's mud house. My, my, my granddad's mud house was big. It had multiple rooms. 
So we had people staying with us. I said, you see all those people there? It's laziness. That's keeping them there. You have been squatting with a friend for three years. You have been squatting. It has never crossed your mind that you can rent your own room. Just squatting. Because you like free things. Ah, sir, the money is not there. Do you have a way to go about that? Can you volunteer somewhere? Can you help someone? If you don't have money and you are proud, your life is almost finished. Only God can help you. You don't have. But yet you say, I cannot do this kind of work. I'm a graduate. Who is not a graduate? I mean, in a way, I've seen masters holder riding bikes. Because you know what? I'll tell you this. I mean, from my heart, I love you with all my heart. But if your certificate is not bringing an income into your life, don't, don't brandish it in people's face. Don't come and say, I went to UNN. Please. You know, when I studied in my class, even the professor, before he says anything, he will call my name. That's... 10 years ago. And you see, carpenters, um, roadside mechanic, women who sell fish in the market, they didn't go to anywhere, but they would take care of you successfully without complaining. So it means that what you just have is a piece of paper with your name and school written in it. It hasn't yet transformed into an economic value. Photocopying CVs everywhere is not a, you know you have to think sit down that's the first thing not walk around you have to sit down and that's what we don't want to do we just feel that by what activity we can achieve things so you sit down number three you count the cost you count the cost for every prize, P-R-O-I-Z-E, there is a price, P-R-O-I-C-E. You count the cost. How much will it take? For instance, I gave you my example. I need to manage my finances better. So what do I do? I have to buy financial books. That's the cost. I have to enroll in an investment cost. That's the cost. Right? Now, for instance, when I was enrolling in that cost, something crossed my mind. It's like 20000 Three days on WhatsApp. <laughs> this is expensive. So I told myself, what will my mismanagement cost me? I don't know if you understand. Now, my mismanagement may cost me more than 20000 My mismanagement can actually cost me a lifetime of poverty. So when you compare that in terms of value, 20000 is nothing to gain an education. You walk to the bookshop. You see a book that's going to help you. And you say, oh, this book is expensive. You should ask yourself, what would your life become if you don't have that knowledge? Are you following what I'm saying? That's how to rate the value of things. If I gain this extra knowledge, if I go for this extra conference, if I go for this extra seminar, how am I... See, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. Many people are not ready to do what will cause their life to change. They don't want to pay the price. They don't want to count the cost. They're not willing. It will be amazing how someone wants his or her life changed and you say, these are the steps to take 
and the person is not willing to do it. I'll tell you this. Nobody has a money problem. Nobody has a money problem. It's all a wisdom problem. I'll tell you a short story about my dad. Some of you have heard him speak. He's going to be here. He's traveled the world. God has blessed them. But when my dad finished, uh, he's the only child of my parents. Uh, my parents, if you write A, my grandparents, if you write A as big as this house, they will not know what it is. They'll think it's a ladder. That, they were canoe covers. My grandfather carved canoe. My mother went. They were fishermen and canoe covers. So they lived by the riverbanks. So when they finished secondary, when my dad finished secondary school, it was a big achievement. They called a party. So they now said, now, after your secondary school, you have to join in the fishing business. And my father said, I'm going to the university. Hey, man, it was a tug of war. There was no money to go to the university. You know what my father did? He'll come back home, they'll make oil, they'll go to worry, sell the oil, pay his fees for a part of that time, build, I mean, there, there's a house in worry. Every time my dad is driving past, all the children, we now know, once we get to that place, we all point and repeat the story. Because every time it's an upstep, Every time we were passing there, my father was saying, you know that upstairs, we built it with our head. So every time we are driving past that place, immediately we'll get there, we'll just say, you know that upstairs, we built it with our head. Just save us the story, keep driving. And that's how he went to school. But you know, he could have taken the chances. Okay, so, uh, so this is the, the moral of the story. He had another of his brothers from... And you know how Africa, everybody is brother, brother. I don't even know how it's brother, but it's just brother. But I just know that he's the only one they gave birth to. And uh, when they were to go to university, then this driving of 9-11 was a big thing. These tipper drivers then, you know, was a, ah, if you were driving tipper, <laughs> you were working in NLNG, if you were a manager. You know? So the guy didn't go to school and went to start driving tipper. So maybe like four years ago, he called my dad and said they need to go to the village. My dad said, what? Why? He said, no, that there's a family a, a devil that is making people in the family not to prosper. That they should go and do um, hope, um, village deliverance. So my, my dad said, this family devil, I've traveled to preach in virtually a couple of countries. My son pastors a church. My, my second son is working in NTA. My children are doing well. That, why is the devil... It looks like he's almost looking like a good devil. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and my dad told him, there is no devil anywhere. What happened is, at the time you should go to school, you chose to drive tipper. Now, in 2016 or 13, driving tipper is not like, it's nothing. So what that tells you is that if you're not willing to count the costs, don't say God was not fair to you 10 years down the line. Don't get to 20 years down the line and look back and say, hey, life is not fair. Probably you have the chances you refuse to count the cost. And what time is more better to hear something like this than a time we're going into a new year? You can decide to say, hey, next year I'm going to count the cost and pay the price for the dream to come to pass. Number four, reality. Reality check. The resource you have. Look at what the scripture says. To count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. You see, you must be real in your planning. 
you following what I'm saying? Two things that make people not to change. Number one, they don't count the cost. And number two, they are not real. If your salary is 20000 that's what you should plan with. So 20000 a year. What kind of house can I stay? You don't choose your house by where you like. You choose your house by what you can afford. You see, some of these things, I, I really... Personally, I don't like putting a lot of personal stories in messages but because I feel sometimes you just stay with the scriptures, but sometimes it helps. Let me give you an example. When we first got married, um, we were in a two-bedroom apartment. And, I mean, I'm so grateful to my wife. I mean, I'm so grateful to her for her years of just staying there. I'll tell you something about this house. When it was raining, the kitchen, water would be coming from the floor up to like here. So whenever it was raining, we had to stay in the kitchen to bail out water. And because of my kind of person, I work maybe late in the night and I sleep. And most of when I'm sleeping, they don't like it. So she does all of that. And then we had this very terrible order that used to come from. I mean, it was just a crazy house, you know. It's a house that, funny enough, it's a house that we want to sleep in the night. We had to off the lights. Because when you look at the walls, you know, you don't want to sleep. It's like you're watching horror films. So we just off the light. That's the kind of place we stay. Then when I had this, um, our fantastic brother in church just walk up to, came to visit us one time. I said, ah, man of God, man of God, man of God. Why are you in this kind of house? Go and look for a house, go and look for a house, go and look for a better house we are going to pay. <laughs> I said, thank you, sir. When he left, my wife said, ah, so what are we going to do? I said, nothing. I'm not going to do anything. After he has paid one year, who paid the other one? Who will pay the next year rent? It's not me. Yeah. For now, wherein thou are called, therein you shall abide. We stayed in that house. I mean, there are some very weird things I can't even say. We just put you off. We all kinds of experience, crazy experience. Wiring was so fantastic. There can be light in the room, and there's no light in the parlor, and there's no two of us. Like crazy house. Sometimes you can flush something here to appear in the other side. Crazy house. Just crazy. Do you understand? House that when somebody is going to a particular area, you say, no, no, don't go there. No, stay here. No, 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 don't worry. Stay here. I'll go and bring it for you. Because you can just step into that place and one leg will go lower than the other. Crazy house. But the man came and said, go and look for a new house. And the question is, who will pay the next year? It's not enough to collect rents from people. Think of the next couple of years. So we stayed in the house. But I tell you the miracle. Then, my dad had a house at the other end of town. And someone paid for another house for him for two years. So my dad moved from that house. And we got into the other house like six months or seven no maybe a couple of maybe two three years or something we didn't pay rent and that's how we moved from that house you know the day we moved after like two months we not ask ourselves how did we stay in that house like literally the house was in a place called the boy coco means crazy place how did we stay there but you realize what we found out we stayed there because we made up our minds to stay there if your mind stays in a place your body will stay there that's how I live. You, you can listen as we are here. You can never suggest something to me that I cannot afford. It's an advice I will refuse to take. 
Because I know you can be emotional. You know I can finish preaching a message that is, ah, oh, man of God, man of God, come, 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 come. Come, 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 come. I'm going to take your life to the next level. And you do it once. And you leave me in that level. You understand? Have you, have you ever gone to a very nice restaurant to eat? You know, <laughs> funny story. I'm just playing today. Hope you are learning something. Okay. I went to where? We had a program, an NGO program. So they took us to Transcorp Hilton. We ate, buffet, everything. So we finished the program three days. So we're going home with my NGO mentor, Kingsley Bangor. And then uh, we now felt hungry. So, I mean, we just saw one booker. Wanted to enter. And I said, man of God, no. You cannot punish yourself like that. Look at where we are living. Let's, let's, let's bring our light down gradually. Let's try a good restaurant. Then the next day we try, before we now come to our main level, we cannot just finish eating in Transcorp and just quickly descend. <laughs> it happened to us in Rwanda. <laughs> when we went to Kenya to preach, it was a nice club, we were choosing food and everything, we go to Rwanda, man. It's a crazy story. You know, why did I sell that? <laughs> Reality check. <laughs> See, that's why it's not good to talk too much. You just even forget what you're saying. Reality check. Check how much resource you have. Check your friends. Be real. Tell your neighbor, be real. Say it one more time. Say, be real. Or say it loud and clear. Say, be real. And tell yourself, I'll be real in 2018. Don't live a fake life. Don't live a life to impress people. Don't wear things that are not paid for. Please. Your shoes, you are owing credit. Your necklace, you are owing credit. And when we see your son, they say, oh Lord, you are wonderful. You are doing good works. God says, I'm not part of it. I mean, this is how I live. My younger sister is having the wedding. I mean, my wife is there. They send texts that everybody should wear. What did they say they should wear, Seth? Whatever color they say they should wear. So I just sent a text back to my sister. Can I wear what I have or you don't want me to come? I said, ah, we know you, we know you. Come with what you have. It's not as if I cannot afford to buy that cloth. My philosophy in life, right from day one, is if I'm coming for your marriage, you don't tell me what to wear. I choose what I want to wear and come. If you have color, no problem. So when we were doing our own marriage, we didn't give anybody color because I didn't want anybody to say, oh, you did color on your own. You didn't do color. So in my own, I think there was no color. We are going with gold and peach and gray. You won't find me. I, you see, there's nothing wrong. But you know, that can even become a source of confusion. Everybody's wearing gold. Why are you wearing gray? We just let colors tear us apart. I just sent her a text. When my grandfather died, my dad is the only son, so I was like his brother and everything. So when he died, my dad said, how are we going to do this uh, burial thing? I said, no, no, there's a way we can get clothes cheaply. She just said, he just said there's a way we can give everybody uniform cheaply. We just bought one, I don't know how many yards, six yards of wrapper. And then we cut it like uh, a belt, you know, long belt. Just cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. <laughs> so as you are coming, we also just put this around your neck. This is the wrapper for the occasion. This is the wrapper, the burial wrapper. Just put it on your neck. So we just wore that. Everybody just. Uh. So after the, we buried my grandmother in like, in one day we were done. We just told we just, myself and my dad. We just sat and say, you know, it's only two of us. If we bury her now, we will now apologize to everybody. So my grandmother died maybe like yesterday. We buried her today. 
just called a few people. I said, ah, you didn't call us on the way. I said, we are sorry. Ah, the way it happened, we are sorry. No problem, no problem. Next time, as if the woman is going to die again. <laughs> but you know what? It saved everybody's stress. Reality check. Do I have the, the money to afford this lifestyle? You take your child to a private school that your whole salary in two years cannot afford. You say you are living by faith. You are living by foolishness. Hey, this community school, I don't like them. That's what you can afford. It's not what you like. It's what you can afford. And you see, you, I, I, see let me say this. I honestly differ. People do not turn out in life good because of the kind of school they, they went to. They turn out in life good because of the choices they made. I went to a public school. I went to a government school. Some of you here seated. The school you went to, you cannot even tell your children. They will not believe it's a school. They will think it's a zoo. When you finish describing it. I literally went to school with no windows. There was no window anywhere. Where you had to bring your own bench and write your name. And somebody can come before the next... The, when you are going home for holidays, you have to carry your locker. If not, by the time you come next year, they have scraped it with chisel and written a new name. Your name is the only sign that it belongs to you, nothing else. I went to a school where you had to chain the lockers and chain the, tape, the, the chair. If not, before you come the next day, you would have only locker and no chair. And you can't report to anybody. Even the principal brought his own table to school. So you can't say, principal, they stole my table. He was even my own. So who do you report to? Do you understand what I'm saying? I went to a school where during break, teachers will call you, come and break melon for me. You'll, be, you'll just be wishing break is over. Because that's how you play your hand. you just be playing with your hand. Before they go with bag of melon. And teacher can call you and say you don't feel like breaking. They will break you. Do you understand that? And that it's not like you say there are some children who are slow learners, some catch up later. You will catch up. Some of these things were brought out. In some wise way, some of them we just, I mean, things are just turning upside down. They are dictating or they are writing on the board. Your teacher is writing, you have to follow because he nearly gets to the end of this board. He's cleaning the next side. And they're not like, are you people done? He's not his concern. You know, you finish writing, you'll not be asking yourself, what did I write here? Because, <laughs> well, I mean, look at where we are today. So don't think if your child do not go to that school today, the child cannot become someone else. No, the grace of God will override those things. The mercy of God will override those things. The favor of God will override those things. When I was in SS3, my parents had a choice. It's either I finish my SS3 class or they have to enroll me for the WIAC and the NECO exams. Good people. The money wasn't there. So I had to choose. So I stopped school at SS2. I read all through SS3. I never had the privilege. You know when people say, we are graduating class of this one. I didn't have a graduating class. That's it. And there was nobody to meet. In fact, it wasn't something you were thinking of. You were not trained to think about people in your life. Reality check. How much do you have going into next year? That house you're living, can you afford it? 
that school your children are can you afford it the way you are attending parties all the time is it affordable you have to do a reality check you have to set goals on seven areas of your life to create a balance are you enjoying something learning something from this talk to me are you learning something from this be real be real be real wear what you can afford eat what you can afford travel when you can afford it do things you can afford life will not always remain like this i mean when i say all these stories like so amazing because they are just stories sometimes you have to pay the price so the next generation can have a better life that's what my dad did for us that's why i'm ever grateful for him because probably if my dad hadn't gone to school i might not be sharing these testimonies are you understanding what I'm saying? The question is, what price are you going to pay so your children can have a better life? If generational poverty is a phenomenon, we can recreate generational wealth. We can put a stop and say, no, at this point, this stops in this family. From here onwards, we're charting a new path. We're charting a new path. Just giving birth to children, you can't, you can't take care of. And you're just saying, it's God. If God has brought them, what do we do? God, God slept with you. He's the one bringing them. You have not heard something called family planning. How can we stop God's blessings? No, continue. Continue. Have you seen where God went to school one day and said, I want to pay this child school fees? And you're not, you're not angry for people who are not helping you. How can we say we are brothers? We are brothers in this thing called Christianity. I don't understand again. I have six children and nobody can take one. For what? We're only an orphanage. And you just get angry and just get offended for your own choices. You think we are impotent for having two children? Or you think we don't like children running around us? When you get so confused and you are calling people's name, you don't know who you are calling. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, oh, who are you again? You know, you think we don't like those kind of scenarios? You have to assume responsibility. There are some people here today that their elder brothers had to stop schooling so they can go to school. That's counting the cost. You don't listen to me. Never judge people's wealth. You never know the sacrifice they have to put in to get to where they are. Don't tell them they are enjoying life too much. It's none of your business. You don't know the sacrifice they have to put in. You don't know the discipline. You don't know the choices they have to deny themselves so they can get to where they are. If you don't know the depth of sacrifice, you cannot judge the height of the blessing. How can he, he say, not today, he's going to this. Tomorrow, what is it? Uh, why is he wasting money? Is he your money? Why do you complain about people's living? You know, because after a while, I'll tell you this. When failure has gripped our soul, we become very bitter towards people who are living the way we should live. Like you couldn't go to school. You know, all your friends. You couldn't go to school. And now those guys who went to school now came back from school and they are speaking English. It's not English. It's not English. Even Bigay dropped out of school. That's not your problem. Your problem is not Bigay that dropped out. Your problem is you're seeing yourself in them who you should be. And the frustration is getting ahead of you. And if you get to that point, you will never excel. 
never get frustrated at something that inside of your heart is your genuine desire. You say, Pastor of a small church, say, all oh, these big churches are not preaching the truth. It's a lie. He's not against big churches. There's something in him that desires that. And because he cannot achieve it, it has brought bitterness to his soul. It's quickly. Seven areas you need to set goals. Seven core areas. Just write this down quickly. Number one, personal and social. Personal and social. Number two, physical and health. Physical and health. Number three, your work and your career. Number four, your family. Set goals for your family. Number five, your spiritual life. Number six, your financial life. Number seven, your mind and your intellect. So I'll go through them again. Seven areas you need to set goals so I have a balanced life. Personal and social. Physical and health. Work and career. Family. Spiritual. Financial. Mind and intellect. I'll give you three quotes and we close. Number one. A goal without a plan is a wish. A goal without a plan is just mere desire. You have to have a plan. Number two, good planning without good working is nothing. Good planning without good working is nothing. Good planning without good working is nothing. As you plan, plan to work hard. And the last, last one, first steps towards achievements by A. William Ward. Number one, plan purposefully. Plan with purpose. Number two, prepare prayerfully. Immerse your prayer, your plans in prayers. Number three, proceed positively. Be positive. Be positive. Number five, pursue persistently. Plan purposefully. Prepare prayerfully. Proceed positively. And pursue persistently. If you take these two messages, last Sunday and this Sunday, to heart, you can actually recreate the year. Take all the lessons we've taught and make something out of your life. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, we ask that as we make the entrance into the year that is coming. There's such an amazing sense of wisdom and order we come into our life. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Have you been blessed this morning? Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.